0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm really excited to be here today with two ladies who I rate very highly. I think independently, they're both very smart, and I'd actually lined up interviews with both of them separately, and then they appear to be very much on the same track of thought. So I I said to both of them, it's going to be a much better idea to get you both together. Miri and Natty, how are you both doing, first of all?
1: Very well, thank you.
0: (laughs) Excellent. It's sorry, it's messy asking two people. How yeah. are you doing? I need to, I need to do it one at a time. Um Natty, I've actually known you for I think probably 4 years at this point. You invited me to speak at Messages for Men at tail end of 2019. I don't think it was 2020 yet. Um
2: No, it was t- it was 2019.
0: Yeah. yeah. Correct. And that was a men's rights event where the focus as far as I understand it is stuff that I would not discount with everything that i've learned in terms of like the empathy gap i I forget who wrote it but it's key text in this and this is about the uh disparity sorry william collins william collins brilliant um and it's this is the disparity in sort of the legal system divorce courts child rights um between men and women where there's a massive bias towards women Um, and I believe that this stuff matters, but it's ended up adjacent to the red pill manosphere, which is something that we've found to be deeply problematic. Do you want to just tell people quickly about like your history with this and why you have you denounced this or an aspect of it?
2: Yeah. So I, I would, I was a few years back, I was describing myself as a men's rights activist and I did do activism in real life online. So that was correct, Um, but I can no longer use that term, but that doesn't mean that I don't agree that there are legitimate issues and discrimination against men that we should address, right? So I have to make that very clear because I've already had some people on the internet saying, oh no, suddenly you're not an MRA anymore, you don't care, and you were always this and that, and you know how it is. So um, I, I, I basically, don't agree with the world view. Well, there's a few, I have a few issues, but um, one of them is that I don't believe a secular rights model will address these issues ever, really. Not in the way that would satisfy the MRM, um, men's rights movement, in the way that they, they, um, they believe could happen. Um, also, I am an Orthodox Christian, in meaning that I am learning about the faith and therefore, from my theology, I can't really put my faith into a worldly solution to a spiritual problem. Um, so I'm not really gonna go into detail about that, but that is definitely part of it. Um, and then the other the other point is the gynocentric, or gynocentrism as a theory, as a thesis. Um, most of us, I think, understand gynocentrism to mean that nowadays, uh, we put um women's interests first over men and children, but in the MRM overlap with the red pill manosphere, and we can go over that stuff as well. Like what the difference is, if there are any net at this point. Um, they 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 have taken on a particular view, and I don't think a lot of them quite realize this this viewpoint has some holes in it, in my opinion. Um, and I got into it. I got into this stuff in, uh, what, 2015. Um, I spent a few years studying feminism and being outraged at the fact that I believe there was an an accountability gap between men and women. In certain areas, I felt that women weren't um, being held accountable or they weren't holding themselves accountable or not encouraged to. And that really outraged me um and then, when I learned more about the men's rights world, I was then doubly outraged um and then I got involved via helping um Erin Pizzi, who some people will have heard of a little bit um and then I started attending some events, met some more people, eventually, I did a few other things like lip uh ladies philip Davies, and then I also did um messages for men uh and now I'm not doing any of that stuff.
0: <laughs> well okay so where this intersects with Miri is that yeah. for most of the time that I've known you Natty you've been quite loud to me in my DMs about transhumanism and that there is a, a concerted push for transhumanism that's inserted in. We call this controlled opposition and Miri's blog has captured everybody's attention And you talk a lot about uh, this push for transhumanism from the top and how it's manifesting in different forms. But I I think we should probably cover the big the big blog, which was all about Andrew Bridgen, Lawrence Fox's party. You were then on the Delling pod. Lawrence Fox has since been on the Delling pod and not really responded to anything that was in it. I think it's really, really important. I don't think that you were overreacting by raising any of these questions and these points. I think that um, saying, look, we if you're going to say we're all on the same side, as Lawrence Fox said in the podcast, then you, this legitimate list of questions needs answering. So, Miri, welcome on. And what's your perspective on, on all of that, first of all, and then we'll go a little bit deeper into these CIA psyops.
3: Okay, Um, Yeah, so as you uh, correctly mentioned, Lawrence Fox was on the Delling Pod. And I've raised a number of concerns about the Reclaim Party, about him and about Andrew Bridgen. And he didn't address a single one of them. He just focused on a relatively minor point and ranted and raved and said, you know, how I got him wrong. And I was um, I was a puritanical right wing wokey. That's how you described me, Um, because I uh, noted amongst many, many other things that um, the general public can't actually join the Reclaim party as a member. I said, all they can do is sign up to a mailing list for more information, and that's not the same thing as joining a party as a member. So he ranted a road about this, but then confirmed that actually, no, you can't join as a member, you can only subscribe to a mailing list. And he claims that's because Reclaim doesn't have a bank account, um, but first of all, they do. Uh, Reclaim Media Limited, his media company, have a bank account, and they could use that. Or um, they could have members without charging a fee, or they could use uh, PayPal. Uh, so when I was in Freedom Alliance, another political party, pro-freedom, anti-lockdown, they struggled to get a bank account at first. So they used PayPal to take fees and eventually did manage to uh, source a bank accounts. So all of those excuses he gave why they don't take members um, don't actually add up. But anyway, that was one of many, many points I raised. Um, the others were why they don't stand any candidates. So um, in three years, they've stood three candidates. And if you compare them to other pro-Freedom parties founded at the same time, like Freedom Alliance founded at the same time, they've stood about 200. And Reclaimers had a huge amount of funding, uh, over 5 million pounds. So if they claim not to have a bank account, I don't know where that funding has gone. So what have they been doing with all that money? Why haven't they stood any candidates? And why are the only three candidates they've ever stood establishment celebrities? You've got Lawrence Fox, establishment actor, um, acting dynasty family. You've got uh, Martin Daubney, Former editor of Loaded, big, uh, well-known media talking head, and um, a prominent, well-known comedian called Leo Curs. So, why is a party of the people only standing celebrity candidates? Where are the Where are the people? Um, and I also questioned uh, Andrew Bridgen's fundraiser. Um, as many will know, he's uh, raising quarter of a million pounds to sue Matt Hancock for defamation, allegedly. Um, and like Abby Roberts said, suing Matt Hancock for defamation is kind of like pulling Ted Bundy over for speeding. Um, you know, why is he doing this? Um, you know, and I, uh, I I won't bore your listeners with everything I said, because it's quite a long list of allegations. But uh, suffice to say, neither um, Lawrence Fox nor Andrew Bridgen have, have addressed any any of the questions I have put to them
0: yeah and um the uh this word anti-semitism has become a bit of my specialist subject i'm not actually uh that knowledgeable on the jews or jewish culture or any of that but in terms of people who've been uh charged with being an anti-semite in the uk i've looked at a lot of it very closely and what i would say is that the establishment wins in these cases if they yeah. want to call you an anti-semite you're very very you're gonna struggle to wriggle out of that case um yeah. I would say go back and look at what happened with Jeremy Corbyn because there are lots of reasons to not support Jeremy Corbyn but I think the charge that he was a Jew hater was pretty dubious and that was really used to um, knock him off the playing field and so your blog really like it it kind of since I've ended up looking at that world so strongly it I was like that's completely unwinnable and this is like his hero's yeah. crusade um also there's the yeah there's a the comparison with freedom alliance was it freedom alliance the political party uh that's like the most active one that's kicked off since lockdowns and all the covid stuff that's the one that stood the most candidates and heritage party is the one that's done the most that was sort of pre-existing as well. Like if you're going to get behind anyone, David Curtin has actually showed up to everything. There's no topic that he's shied away from or been wrong from. I don't believe in secular political solution either, but like if it's on the table, I have to be very, very loud for the person that I see as the most honorable. I think that Nigel Farage and Richard Tice are like so clearly full of blemishes and have been used Mm -hmm. for years to siphon energy. I would need a tremendous amount of evidence to not make the same conclusion about Fox and Bridgen and all of this. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh,
3: and as as far as I can see, they seem to be um, a very slightly more sophisticated version of the monster raving loonies. So the establishment knows that uh, there's a lot of disillusionment with the legacy parties. And they've got these people who believe it's their civic uh, duty to vote. They need to vote someone. So they've been given a reclaim, which are quite explicitly a joke party, because um, if you go to Lawrence Fox's Twitter, his official Twitter as a leader of a political party, the first sentence he uses to describe himself is trans lesbian of colour. Right. And I get that this is a joke, but that's not how you present yourself. You want to be taken seriously as a credible political opponent, a credible alternative to the Tories. He just seems to explicitly present himself as like a court jester. He'll put pictures of himself on Twitter, you know, in a, in a green wig as a, as his um trans lesbian alter ego, Lauren. And I'm just thinking, oh, God, you know, um, he's making himself a joke. So therefore, he's making uh people who want an alternative to the legacy parties uh, a joke as well. So... What I found very interesting, so I've been involved in local politics for the last three years, and I've gone to the um, electoral counts, and the monster-raving loonies usually put candidates up. And whenever their results are read out, all the legacy parties, Labour, Tory, uh, Green, LADEM, they all cheer when the monster-raving loonies' results are, uh, are read out. And that's because they are a release belt that helps the establishment. So basically the message is, if you don't vote for a legacy party, you're a loony and I think we claim are underscoring that message if you don't vote for a legacy party you know you support some joke court jester trans lesbian of colour in his green wig it's it's to make us look foolish if we try and oppose the system
0: that's yeah. a good way of framing it is uh, if you imagine the candidate standing there and them announcing how many votes everyone got the image is basically of lib lab con as the serious candidates and a line of people in silly costumes like the yeah. diver's outfit or whatever we're used to kind of seeing this um, so yeah the idea that we're... and and I will say Lawrence Fox definitely came across that way on the Delling Pods like he didn't look like a man that cared uh, sorry bro if you end up watching this but like I've tried to interview him at protests and there's just a, a stark difference between him and David Curtin as two yeah. men that are supposed to be selling their political party and saying vote for me it's a world of difference mm. absolutely
1: I remember
2: Martin Dogney. From when I was doing men's rights stuff, because that's how he—that's how he moved from being a kind of uh, FHM or whatever GQ—I can't remember the edit, the magazine he edited Loaded. from Loaded. Thank you. And I think nuts um, as
0: well and stuff.
2: Yeah, he may have written articles for others, but a journalist who was sort of um, transversing that sort of shift from being, you know, outraged at the liberal stuff and then taking on a bit of a cause, and he went into the men's rights world a little bit. Met him numerous times. It is interesting to observe him uh, in the reclaim party now. Um, I I I I I always I always get a um, unapproachable vibe from people who tend to move into these kind of circles. Does do you understand what I mean by that? I don't want to sound like someone who's like, come on, talk to me, but like unapproachable in the sense that David Curtin has never had that that. Um, energy about him i don't know if you get what i mean yeah, yes. written these very intelligent letters to them and they and and it would probably look good if they wrote a nice intelligent reply but they've ignored you that's the same kind of thing i'm talking about
3: yeah yeah and i, th- I think what really underscored that is um in the Delling pod uh lawrence fox kept pretending not to know my name so he kept saying uh you know mao or whatever her name is you know Millicent or whatever name is names are really different to mine and he knew that he was getting them wrong because he kept saying or whatever a name is so I thought that that's a real form of very um over uh, invalidation like you're nobody you're nothing I can't even bother to get your name right and I said that I thought that just says everything about him.
0: Well, I think it's a really important time to, I mean, it's actually a very, very, very important time right now to absolutely trash the concept of celebrity and these hierarchies because they're fil- they are built on something that's so rotten. And I'm talking yeah. about Schofield and Hugh Edwards. And let's see how it goes with Dan Wootten. Probably too early to say anything for sure. But um, if you have reached at that sort of, poison chalice of getting on GB news or getting on the BBC or any of these, even if it's just for a bit, like you've rubbed shoulders with some bad people and we know this because they've been expelling really good people. I'm such a massive crusader for Abby Roberts because she truly did nothing wrong and she used to be welcome and now she's not welcome And I'm just like, well, look at who is welcome. You know, this is so, so bad. And it does go the full way to the top. Um, So like Natty, you've had a while watching the release valve of all that Brexity wing of stuff, because that's what this was before COVID. It was all hyper focused on Brexit and lots of other stuff around it. But that was, that was the key one. And a lot of these people have been around for a long time. And just like, uh, you know, I remember it really clearly I went to the Brexit celebrations at the start of January 2020 really wonderful night to be honest just the energy in parliament square it was really like a british fate um but on on a mass scale even though it's a bit of a farce it was a very lovely night the people on stage would be Nigel Farage Richard Tice Julia Hartley Brewer they're all people that opposed the lockdowns but not the vaccine at the end of it and I'm just like that's a setup that has been planned as are as you are
2: you, are you forgetting claire fox and the, and those guys
0: they're particularly weird and dirty the spiked <laughs> um, i've spent a lot of time talking about that yeah. everything that sprouted from the revolutionary communist party and like the battle of ideas is something that i'm so suspicious of and everything that's around that um, cuz it tells us that this is this is a long game really, when people like that are set up as the mouthpiece for something so serious as what we went through. Because I just, I I think there was, there there may have been a time when you wanted to, like, protect your job. Uh, so you did this anonymously, uh, and you got mouths to feed, blah, blah, blah. And I think that all changed in 2020, when, like, all the care workers and the nurses, their heads were genuinely on the chopping block over the vaccine. It was like, well, they're, they don't have a choice to like remain anonymous they've got to choose so no excuses at this point um
2: well, yeah. one, of, one of the things that um that i noticed during the brexit period because that you know that affected me quite a lot i had i had literally had to drop a massive peer set and make a new one Um, i think a lot of people had to do that if they yeah. were brexit in any way um was I knew some people that were on the Brexit campaign, like some young people, and they told me about the atmosphere and some of the characters involved. And whilst I was already aware of how just shady and corrupt politics is in all, all ways, I was still kind of thinking, mm, this doesn't sound particularly grassroots to me. There's something a bit, mm, I don't know. And then, um I, I learned a bit more about Dominic Cummings and started reading his blog, and started looking. Do you, do you know? Do you guys know what NRX is? Yeah, um, I do. Okay. Oh, I'm really,
0: you you might you know do talk about it more. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, it's. Do you know what what does NRX stand for? I'm having a moment. Pregnancy moment.
0: Uh, oh, is it like neo reactionary Neo reaction. Thought
2: that's it. What's yeah. the X?
0: Oh, what does that?
2: Basically, they the it's promoted by Curtis Yarvin, He used to have this blog and he was called Mulberg or Mulberg, whatever his name is, but his real name is Curtis Yarvin, And um he was he was promoting this model that uh you should ha- you should run a state or a country and uh have a bunch of city-states everywhere that are run like a Silicon Valley style tech company, and it's extremely pro-technocracy. So it's saying we can be against this irrational left progressive stuff but we can do it by being pro-technocracy right Right. which they've the establishment is doing that either side so they they clearly are or were correct that this is the way things are going but they were trying to promote it as some kind of edgy alternative things there was also something called the dark enlightenment and I forget the name of the guy who wrote that but you can be bothered look it up some long essay online which is to do with being reactionary against the progressive left. And then there's the cathedral analysis and all for ages, it was all everyone who's slightly dissident on the internet could talk about. And I was just like, you guys are promoting technocracy. What? Mm. (laughs) And then when I looked into Dominic Cummings, I was like, this guy's pro-technocracy. And the only reason he went hard for Brexit was because he wants the government to be run by an AI supercomputer, right? And so, um, he's not interested in nationalism or sovereignty or any of the positive things that a lot of people would associate with Brexit. His whole reason for getting involved was because he thinks the government's inefficient, and he would like a computer to tell everyone what to do. Like right. he's programmed, I, I assume. I don't know if you've read his blog, but it's <laughs> in the past. It was just revealing. And then I remember when Channel 4 did that, that kind of um, satire documentary about him. And I found myself going, this is quite accurate. Well done. <laughs> you know, it was, it was relatively like, yeah, he really does have disdain. He is not, he sees himself as an elite, right? He does not see himself as one of the plebs. Mm. Um, and that is absolutely true. And the people that were involved in the campaign and got to know him, they confirmed that to me. So this is just another thing that, you know, in the last six years or, or whatever, said to me, like, hold on a minute. Where where is there any kind of genuine, authentic, altruistic people involved in the world of politics? Mm. Uh I don't I don't know. It's me- it made me have sympathy for Corbyn, ironically, a little bit. Because I was like, you know this guy, like even though he's an old school socialist and communist type. He does come across as kind of authentic, sort of, Mm. right? Um, Which is also why I did that Ladies for Philip Davies campaign, because even though he's a Tory, uh, he was supporting some of the men's rights causes and he was getting all this pushback from feminists or whatever. But he had this reputation among his constituents as somebody that would always reply to messages and always... Um, do his job to represent his constituents. And I literally had this woman who said, I hate everything about Philip Davies, he's a misogynist. But whenever I write him an email, he always replies in such a cordial manner. And like, he's the nicest MP I've ever met. And I was like, whoa. Mm. So I was happy to put my my support behind him in a limited way because he's a backbencher and he's still a Tory, but you know, so, um, it's just fascinating seeing that the people that are supposed to be credible opposition now don't even have that authentic reputation about them anymore i don't mm. know if you know anyone who does maybe they're still around david Curtin's not involved anymore really is he so unfortunately mm. can't really say him i don't know what he's part he's not he's not in, he's not in the london assembly anymore so can't think of anyone <laughs> um, uh
0: not allowed on the stage. And I think that's the whole point is to um, discredit it all at once. I think that's why the Hugh Edwards thing should like matter to a huge degree because it is just one uniparty. Like I'd love to go back through his entire career and show him reading the headlines of all the horrible psyops that were played to on us to traumatize us. Because when you stitch them all together, it's like we were lied to about a lot of well murders, uh, which most of us, you know, children for a lot of these events, um stitch it all together like that guy is a horrible media prostitute and this whole thing needs to collapse and i don't like the idea of us still ever but i i never watched gb news live coverage because i feel like that would be falling into the trap anyway this is a dinosaur system that we should be like railing against but it does still exist this apparatus is still there you could potentially get something positive out of an existing MP if they seem demeanable to you like I've spoken to uh vaccine injured people who say that their specific MP is actually very receptive and helpful with them they're just not on the stage for mm-hmm. some reason um and there's just huge alarm bells to swing back around to Andrew, Andrew Bridgen about like where is Charles Walker and where's Desmond Swain and a couple of the Christopher Chope like where where is this alliance that was there when there was this Brexit 1922 committee stuff they stand up one at a time like a whack-a-mole and we've and we've been given Andrew Bridge and then he sort of connects it to the holocaust a bunch of times which is just like running straight into a landmine and and it's all just ridiculous from my perspective yeah
3: I Happy- mean Go Sorry, go on. Well, I I just think it's um it, it's what I was saying before. You know, it's it's the pressure release bar They've always known a certain amount of people were going to be um awake from the start. More we're going to wake up during the course of the pandemic, um especially because of the obvious vaccine injuries. So they need to funnel that that anger and that discontent in um it, into effectively a dead end. So they always give us the controlled opposition for the reason that um Lenin said. You know, the best way to. Uh, control the opposition is to lead it ourselves so they have given us um Andrew Bridgen made him very high profile so we feel like we're being listened to we feel like someone's finally doing something this is what I um get you know whenever I highlight all the anomalies and what Andrew Bridgen's doing you know people get very upset and they say well at least he's doing something and the elite know that's how people are going to react so that's why they've given him to us
0: Mm. Yeah, the um, last protest I went to was in January of this year and Andrew Bridgen was on the stage and got a, got a big round of applause and I think there's something about that setup that I started to feel very uncomfortable with if we're going to have Malhotras and Bridgens and Dr. Campbell and that which is that uh, it's just a horrible dynamic for getting to the truth because here's this hero on stage and you pretty much just have to whoop and holler or you can be the asshole that's going like, shill. Uh, but there's there's nothing in between. So we're not going to get anything sorted with this, but it's really late in the game. It's January, 2023 and you're now on this stage. Um, And, you know, most of the people in this crowd, like I recognize, and we're quite frankly exhausted from doing this for three straight years. Like you absolutely know if you were in London or there's a great hub in Manchester as well and Birmingham and, and, all over, but all of these locales, you'll know who's put the effort in and who's like a latecomer because we're there and and you've made those bonds and you've got that respect. I respect everyone that I saw that was consistently there. Um and I want to talk about that because I'm much more interested in um in just asking questions and getting to the truth. I'm much more interested in being on that wing of things. Than I am in being in the political party that's going to navigate the machinery. Um, yeah, I think it's more important.
1: Well,
2: I was going to say um, on Twitter yesterday, I I said that in theory, Hugh Edwards um, should be attacked because he's a white male, right? Like they shouldn't really in 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 a lot of ways he should be being pushed under the bus for um even having this accusation against him right mm. And so I, I but then again i know that they like to close ranks and protect their own so it's a strange it's a strange like two narratives coming up against each other it was confusing for a minute i was sitting there thinking oh this is mm-hmm. bizarre but then um but then i started thinking about uh so um mir uh, one of the the theory that I caught my attention um well I was already I already came up with this theory and I was like oh look at me and then I read Mary's blog I was like oh someone who's like far older and wiser already says this and this is great <laughs> but um I was thinking maybe maybe this is um indicating a bit of a shift so you know how we've had this insane um Older white men—they're the patriarchy. They're oppressing everyone. Narrative for however long, um, and now maybe they are starting to say, "Okay, hang on." Um, since we're going to move into this kind of handmaid's tale um, dystopia, uh, which is what Murray was writing about, has written about, um, maybe we're going to see more of of them closing ranks to protect, you know, old white men or similar i don't know i don't know if you if you think the link between the two is reading too much into it but i uh, I'm, in, I'm interested in your thoughts on that
0: i've got a good question which will crack it open which is um which side do you think is more popular with the general public now the woke side or the anti-woke side which side is it cool to be on is it cool to be woke or is it cool to be against wokeness I'm talking the general population, not necessarily the young.
2: Intelligentsia. <laughs> I
0: would I would say that Piers Morgan is very much like the voice of Normie Brittany, kind of just yells at you and tells you what you're supposed to do. Um, so like when it was lockdown, he was yelling at Piers Corbyn and everyone saying like, you're a denier. So when it really comes to crunch time, they kind of feed Piers Morgan the sheet um, and he sets the parameters of what acceptable thought is. I think there's a few people that have this role, Nick Ferrari and all of LBC as well. Um, And Piers Morgan is very loudly anti-woke. So you can't underestimate how huge that side of things is. Like Peterson is huge and the Hill Shapiro side of stuff is enormous. Uh, All of GB News is all... Lawrence Fox and co like it's all anti-woke so that is not a niche thing and I think what you're suggesting Natty is that okay now if they just flipped it then they're now like right, cool discard that narrative now women are women are going to take the brunt of it because we've got people so conditioned to like <laughs> feminists that they can't spot Andrew Tate's influence
2: <laughs> yeah I don't know what Mary thinks about
3: that because well um Uh, I think you're right, Nick, that that anti-woke is much more fashionable, much more popular, apart from, you know, quite a small uh, cohort of um, seems to be mainly middle class under 30s. They might be pro-woke, but everyone else very much against it. And I think that those uh, flames are being intentionally fanned by, as I say, Piers Morgan and his ilk. Because I, um, I do think, um, and uh, this was uh, kind of um, woven into um, the article I did that um, you did a video on that, which I have since watched, which is excellent, um, that we are on the precipice for cultural revolution, very similar to the one depicted in The Handmaid's Tale. So, um, you know, uh, so-called liberalism is being pushed to these insane extremes that nobody reasonable agrees with. So there is this increasing pushback, uh to um, you know, uh lay the foundations for uh, a pendulum shift dramatically back the other way. So I think that's what we're in the midst of seeing. Yeah. Interesting,
0: right. So, so yeah, we've clearly been split as a society between hyper liberal and hyper reactionary conservative trad stuff, and this is like Natty from this MRA thing repeal the nineteenth. Now I never had a particularly good reaction to this when I saw it. I thought, like, if it's a meme about women and girls being annoying, I'm kind of like, all right, because free speech. But it seemed to be there as a very genuine thing. And I think the justifications for repeal the 19th are all just like, well, democracy doesn't work. That's their excuse for why we should take the vote away from women, is because voting doesn't work. but that, that would be
1: the
2: reasonable take
0: okay <laughs> Sorry, yeah that but this, the reasonable this, take. yeah this <laughs> was a, a serious bug of like this wing of conversation for a long time yeah
2: so I, I don't know if you you might have come in too late to this whole stuff but do you ever remember a blog by a woman called um Janet no hang on what was I forget her real name now you're going to see me do so many pregnancy isms of me not remembering things. So apologies, but, um, it was called judgy bitch. Oh okay. yeah. 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 You remember her. Yeah, She was one of the first people that, that, that went hard, got attention about the repeal, the 19th. It wasn't just her, but she was early on it and she is no longer on the internet, by the way, she dropped all of that. Um, so maybe she realized that anyway, um, so yeah, the, the the kind of reasonable argument is that democracy doesn't work. It's a bit of an illusion and voting doesn't really change anything. So we shouldn't be voting. We should advocate for a different type of system. Now, I don't think um, that alone does sound a bit weird because you're like, okay, so what's it? You drop that and then what do we do? Um, that goes into a whole other conversation that's the kind of conversation that I don't mind having with people because I, 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 I'm sort of pro on that side of things in the sense that um, th- that there are other ways of ruling countries without this so-called democracy um, that are slightly different or whatever. But um, what's happened now, what, what happened was that um, this kind of repel the 19th thing got taken on by a bunch of MGTOWs, um, men going their own way, and also the NRX crew are really into that, yeah. Um, all of this kind of dissident alt right side, and they focus hyper focused on women being the ones who's voted in all these terrible policies. And um, and there's this whole uh, documentary, um, that, I can't remember who originally was it him, was it Turd Flinging Monkey who made it, or did he just promote? promote it. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but he had it promoted quite strongly on his channel. And um, and it was just saying that women destroy civilization and part of this is via voting and they always vote left and they always vote for the wrong people and they're easily controlled and stuff. Um, and I remember thinking, I, I, I can see where you're coming from, Why you would think that now because a lot of women are seemingly pro-feminist, but actually the data tells us then, then most of them are not, but put that aside for a second. Um, we've also had data that's come out now that's, that says that if you're married as a woman, you are less likely to vote for an ultra progressive party or policy. Um, it's just far more complicated than, than this, um, this narrative, this argument is made out and a whole bunch of people on the kind of right side of things took hold of it, especially in this, in the kind of red pill circles. Now it's kind of like some of the um, people we're probably going to talk about, like Andrew Tate, just pearly things and others, they have all taken on this stuff now, but it's like, this was being, this was being promoted and debated like six to 10 years ago. Mm. Right. And they're kind of like the, the you know when when things come into culture and it's edgy becomes a little bit more mainstream and then you get people later on taking it to the normies right that's where we're at now yeah it's become such a i don't know like a ridiculously simplistic thing to say um and it it just doesn't help the conversation at all because you you really want to lead with hang on a minute Maybe democracy as we have it, as it's presented to us, is not the right thing, not the most effective thing. Um, but I mean, like what Miri says in her blog about the handmaid's tale stuff, um, I believe this has been done on purpose at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's let's hand over to Miri to sort of explain this idea of Tate and Pearly things as change agents, which are an echo of something that we've already seen in the 60s. Um, They're
2: not the only ones, but yeah, those two, everyone will know.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, so I think when we have these uh, mass cultural revolutions where society changes very quickly, um, that's not organic because organic revolutions are not that quick. Um, you know, uh, we went from uh, kind of traditional conservative society in the 1950s to um, the exact opposite in, in 10 to 15 years. And that that's just not organic change. And so uh, the establishment uh, brought this in through uh, what are known as change agents and uh, change agents are you know what they say on the tin uh they're people who are elevated to high prominence to dramatically uh change the cultural climate but they do it uh, through clever rhetoric um the manufacture of consent so they they push ideas to disenfranchise people. These people pick up these ideas and they start promoting them themselves. So when the culture starts to change, they feel like this is grassroots, that they've had um, you know, a say in, in changing the way that culture is going. And they always do it by targeting the youth, because uh, the youth obviously are much more impressionable. Uh, they're much more manipulable. Um, you know, uh, many people have argued that's why the Labour Party wants to give 16-year-olds a vote, because they know it's easier to manipulate the young they you get more votes that way. So uh in the 1960s, I did uh, an article on this called um never trust anyone under 30, because there was this very famous phrase in, in the 1960s where uh the youth were encouraged to break away from tradition. Oh, oh dear. That's all good. Still there. Okay. Um to break away from you know parental norms. And uh this this artificial generation gap was created. It, you know, the word teenager wasn't in common parlance until the 1950s. So This uh, was um, an intentional strategy on the part of the elite to uh, segregate the youth from their parents, uh, revolutionize the youth, and then uh, use them to kind of push in the liberal um, cultural shift that the elite wanted. Now that they've uh, reaped uh, all the quote unquote benefits or the benefits to the elite from the uh, increasingly liberal society from the 1960s until now, now they want to swing back the other way. So they're doing it the exact same way they did in the 60s, just um, uh, inverted cultural norms. So again, they've got uh, change agents to appeal to the youth. So Andrew Tate is targeting young men. Uh, pearly Things is, is targeting generally young people, mainly men, some women as well. And um, they're really exploiting a generation gap. You know, if you, A lot of parents of, say, um, under 30s, under 25s, Will say you know I think of myself as quite liberal but you know my children tell me I'm a dinosaur and you know um, uh, I'm stuck in the past and I'm transphobic uh, and you know this generation gap is being ex- exploited again so they are now trying to um radicalize the youth just as they did in the 60s but with uh the opposite values so we've got generation Z now which I think is people um aged between about 14 and 26 and they are the most conservative generation since world war one um, so they drink far less than previous generations. Um, they're far less likely to uh, be promiscuous. That they, they, they don't smoke. They don't take drugs. So this generation is now being targeted by the likes of Andrew Tate to say, right, come on, let's bring in the next thing.
0: That yeah, that is a very important point because the the changes that were listed, like if you go to the Guardian or Vox or Vice or whatever, they ask why are young people having less sex, and I mm-hmm. kind of hear. Uh, how life was like for people that were that came of age in the 90s, um, rather than millennials, and it sounded like one wild orgy that was going on there. Um, and and it, and I found it interesting that like all the papers are asking, oh my god, what's wrong with teenagers? And, and it's like, well, maybe nothing. Maybe they're being more responsible, and maybe this is a good thing. And I was going to ask you guys if either of you have read Louise Perry and her book because I would I would very much recommend it. I think it's a very reasonable take on um where we are right now with this madness between the sexes. Um so we're not saying that there's anything wrong with teenagers like being a bit more celibate, trying to avoid porn. Um I, I wish people were louder about that one. Um, etc. But what is clearly being used is is it's it's being used to usher in something very, very dark. So where do you think it's actually going? You want to
2: take that one? I'm like, who's who's gonna? Uh, um, yeah, I agree that it's gonna go the opposite, literally the opposite to what we have currently have, but it's gonna be this really strange warped version. So I, I sent, I, I know that you guys saw that Babylon Bee, uh, satire article which has these two gay men and a, a young woman who's their handmaid who had their baby so um we we're going to see this kind of strange like um the the kind of gay side the anti trans well no hang on a minute let me start this again there there's going to be a bit of a split in the lgbt community i think right and um there's going to be those that that say right we we're actually kind of far right but we can be gay or we can be trans and far right mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason they're going to do it is so that they can they can continue to make the case to liberalize surrogacy. Yeah. So that's what I mean by it being warped. Um, and that I remember when you said about, and I, I looked the, up the clip of Andrew saying, um, Andrew Tate saying that it's better to sleep with a male to female trans person than it is um, to sleep with an ugly woman. Now, he's not the only person I've heard say that. I have encountered that sentiment. A few times online in the past, and every time I've been like, "What? Mm. This is really confusing." <laughs> I'm sorry. And um, I've, every time I think, like, "Are you trolling me, or are you messing around?" Because if you're just saying this just to be edgy and make a point, but really, you, you're quite sensible and you don't believe that. Okay, I can I can get it. You know, maybe you're a comedian, but. I've seen it more than once. So I'm like, hmm, this is starting to concern me a little bit. Um, and then you've got people like um Blair White. Have you heard of Blair White? And Lady Marga.
0: Yeah, so Blair White, like I've always found that a, a really bizarre anomaly because this is a this is a trans woman who I would say is more hornified pornified than Dylan Mulvaney was. Like, this is sort of wearing a sort of um, stars and stripes bikini and and posing with a big AK and, like, big pouty lips and all the rest of it looking very Baywatch. Uh, yet Blair White has always been welcome with Alex Jones and Tim Poole and all of the people that are, like, pushing back against the woke madness. Blair White has been this token tranny that's on there as well and i've absolutely never understood it because i'm like well how is that going to talk anyone out of getting these mutilating surgeries because that's the main issue here is that like if someone does this if someone's groomed into this you can't go back from it and that's an absolute horror story and it's part of the the um you know they don't want anyone having families that's what this all feeds into and uh, yeah so so blair white is like a token trans character and i suppose dave rubin has gay babies as well and that's another well, one well i
2: think i think we're going to see more of this i think we're going to see more of people like people who are attract so think about the pushback against the trans thing at the moment the people that are you know doing videos and talking about how how much of a mistake it was but they kind of need to maybe some of them it's too late and they have to stay that way right um so what do we do with them and if you're if you're kind of uh, if you're part of the, the eugenicists who sit around thinking about how to mold society, what what are we going to they could probably think what what do we do with these people? They've transformed their body; they kind of have to stay that way, or they have to go through a very painful detransition process, right? I so I think that there it's going to be like you know, uh, the 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 patriarchy is as as um, the feminists have always claimed existed, uh, actually manifested into existence, but inclusive of trannies. <laughs> right. And well,
0: it's um, there. It's you can see that it's there because there have been these splits. Like Dave Rubin's Babies was one on um yeah. conservative Twitter where it's suddenly split in half between lots of people who are welcome on Fox News congratulating them and a certain amount of people being like, yo. Is this conservatism?
2: But I, I want to say something that I, I don't know. I might I think I'm gonna get some some hate for saying, but I've gotta say it. Um interestingly, you, you you could say, well, if things are going the opposite, isn't that a good thing for women in the sense that you know a lot of them don't want to do careerism, they want to be at home and prioritize their family, they don't wanna to have to think about this and do that, they want to be more feminine and all that, right? but um but as as miri is has said in her blog and what i was saying in my video is that um it's quite anti-woman the whole thing because it is basically going to deperson women um at least women who are not who are not necessarily in the elite class mm. and um it's going to make them literally a second-class citizen not this theorized second-class citizen that w- that, that was promoted to us in feminism actual second class citizens um because they will like andrew tate definitely promotes this narrative that women should be property yeah i've never truly had that maybe at some point in the distant past but not in not in the last 200 years it's never truly been that distinct it's just that feminists have 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 argued certain things like um uh the fact that that men land owning men owned most of the monos and land, but then they also had certain responsibilities for their family. The, 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 whole, the whole argument about that, they can misrepresent it, but they're actually going to manifest that like the black and white version, like it straight up into existence. That's what I think is going to happen. And when you think about it, feminism was kind of anti-woman in my in my opinion, misogynistic. Um, and then now we've got this new thing coming in that is even more misogynistic. So, what's really changed? Maybe the Radfems are correct <laughs> and I should just be a Radfem. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I'm never going to be a Radfem. But my point is that, like, that hasn't changed. Mm. It's just, I don't know what you think about that, but I know that some people are going to be like, mm. they're going to tuck, tuck, and wag their finger at me for saying that. But I can't really, that is how I see it now. I can't really see it any other way. It's just like, the the whole system is against humanity, mm-hmm. in, right? Both men and women, but there does seem to be a certain quality about women that they really, really hate. Um, that's different to men. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So- yeah.
0: Well, what I would say very quickly on that is as a man who went through the like men are trash period of mm-hmm. it all, I kind of look at the men that are still sensitive about that and still bang that drum. And I think what's wrong with you, because you've stayed in this victim mindset. And to be honest, where we are now with heroes like Andrew Tate, I I think it's very, very important to talk about what's going on on the other side. This all overlaps with like Posey Parker. It's very loud about how they're trying to get rid of that word woman and they're doing it on these NHS pamphlets. It's like a very big component of it, which I guess is just to reduce women down to less competent men was this in your blog miri that this is what the role of women is kind of going to be in their vision of the future
3: yeah well i think they're trying to just reduce women to um body parts effectively and i think uh something very interesting about um andrew tate and elon musk is um neither andrew tate or elon musk are married even though that they promote i know elon musk has been he's not now they promote these traditional values but neither of them are married Elon Musk is father to um, nine children. Um, Andrew uh, Tate has admitted to having at least 10. Um, but neither of them are married to any of the mothers of their children. Um, Elon Musk has created some explicitly by a surrogacy. He had uh, some children with a woman at work he wasn't in a relationship with. And um, then a woman he was in an on-off relationship with, their second child was born by surrogate. And Andrew Tate is effectively using surrogates because he's not in relationships with these women he keeps producing children with. So almost we're going back to a really medieval system, almost like um, harems, so that the men with the money and the power monopolize uh, women's reproductive facilities because they've got so many women in their harems, they can't really have proper relationships with any of them. And they're just using these women to... Uh, produce the next generation and I think um, you know that's it's a very uh, strange juxtaposition that Andrew uh, Tate claims to be promoting traditional values and people think by traditional he means 1950s but actually if you look into his own personal life and look at the rhetoric he uses to speak about women and relationships you see he's going much 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 further back than that um, to a kind of uh, yeah, a, a harem type system and he Musk seems to be doing the same.
0: Yeah, and well, my question with the Tate stuff was I knew how dirty he was for a good long while now. It was pretty much as soon as this, this phrase, human trafficking, was being floated by people. I spotted it on a live stream, some people basically accused him of it or let the cat out of the bag, and they must have known it was safe to do so at that point. I looked into that because that is a serious accusation. I know what a bullshit accusation looks like, and he wouldn't just chuck that out there. That's That's huge. So I looked into it and it's all there. And that was what, the best part of a year ago? This is a long, long time. And then this does extend all the way up to Tucker and Elon and all of this. And so on the other side, the BBC and Vice, I would say have actually done good work on tape because nobody else has, nobody else has done that. But certainly on our side, we are now in such a habit of not trusting anything that comes out of the BBC or Vice that that's immediately discredited. I know that nobody else would have watched it from our side. I went and watched the Vice thing and clipped it because you're not going to convince anyone to because it's poison. Like They've even written about me. But clearly, this is the, you know, we're being played against each other and that's what that team is. And it is disappointing because I know Tucker was like Fox News host and therefore why would you trust the Fox News host? But this is the first thing which has made me go, ooh, absolutely not. You are gone to me. So, yeah. Do you think that Elon and Tucker are opportunists who are motivated by clicks and money? uh, Or do you think it's just all one big web that this is, yeah, this is all planned?
3: I think at that level, yeah. I think when someone's, uh, you know, kind of international level prominence, um, they're very much in the club. They're very much, um, you know, an actor being... Uh, handed scripts and they they know what they're doing. I think when you come lower down, it's a bit more opaque than that. Um, I think that people can kind of become uh, controlled. They're not entirely aware of it. Um, You know, if you've got somebody who, uh, you know, is vain with a big ego and likes money, it's quite easy to manipulate that person without overtly saying, right, you're going to do this. You're going to read from the script. So I think that somebody, for instance, like Lawrence Fox doesn't have a hotline to Jacob Rothschild or anything like that. But I think that somebody who is um, quite uh, insecure and fragile with a big ego, he is an actor, that's what they're like, um, can be manipulated. So I think that there are there are levels of controlled opposition. But yes, people like Elon Musk, uh, you know, he's almost as famous as it gets. I think he's definitely a, a high echelon member of the club and he, he does know exactly what he's doing.
0: Yeah, so just to note about sort of Lawrence Fox and that gang is that, Uh, A while ago, before lockdown kicked off, I rang the British Library when they were putting Drag Queen Story Hour on for the first time, and I grilled the guy who was um, there to speak to the press about the event for about 17 minutes, and I whacked that on my YouTube channel. And I gave him a good grilling, and he doubled down that this is exactly why they need Drag Queen Story Hours because of bigots like me. Um, (laughs) But by the time this rolled around last summer, it was so obvious to me that it's like, okay, well... Back like when I was doing it, it was taxpayer funded. It was the British Library. Like, we're paying for this. I get to be an outraged member of the public. This is now actually a private venue. It's a private pub where this is happening. There's all sorts of tripwires. Like, they're, they're turning up to protest an event that's not actually happening today and hasn't even been confirmed. And also, is this the most important thing in the world? I The whole way, the Sam Smith outrage is another one of those. I'm like, this isn't that different to the first time I saw a Frankie Goes to Hollywood video or Madonna or any of this. This has always been there, so I don't get this new outrage as if Sam Smith is suddenly so much worse um, while Andrew Tate and all that is going on. Mm. And, and yeah, Pride this month, it was like, it, it, to me, it's quite clearly an artificial civil war where you do have these accounts like Ollie London and Libs of TikTok I don't think that they're doing good work by getting everyone hyper focused on the maddest LGBT stuff. That is that's serving an agenda as well of polarization. I
1: think this
2: is the right time to bring up Pearly things because she's exactly yeah, she's exactly what you're talking about in my opinion, right? Um, she's just she's doing this game where she says all these statements. And I can't work out if she is deliberately kind of Machiavellian knows what she's doing or someone's feeding it to her or if she is just so caught up in the hype that she, her brain is just constantly like this. Because if you follow her Twitter, it's, I've followed it for a whole week. And I just, I, 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 so I was in a, a discord server yesterday. Right. Um, and I was trying to, I have to, talk about this to you personally a bit later, Nick, but basically I have a I have agreed to debate someone uh, about Pearl's messaging. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually quite nervous because it's quite difficult to uh pin together when somebody's playing the game of semantics. So what she'll say on Twitter, she'll be like, men are superior. And then rightly she'll get, or she'll say it with another little thing underneath. And then, which could put her in plausible deniability lane, because then people will give pushback and a lot of it will be reasonable pushback. But then then she'll respond and be like, oh, that's not what I meant. I meant this, and then she'll add the nuance and then the game continues and it goes on and on and on. And if you notice in her videos, she will come out with these blanket statements and, often it will be with people who don't know what they're talking about you know like the panel members she gets or if she's caught up in a situation where people do kind of know what they're talking about she just goes oh well yeah mm, 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 and just refuses to engage she doesn't know what she's talking about the majority of the time it's mm. all it's all just slogans and um like so i've been watching this with just Finch cleansing, just going, on. and also as someone that went through the whole red pill thing, um, the MRM, where I I used to admin some Facebook groups, and I've done I've done that a bit of that game where I have been like slightly implying something, and then I'll be like, oh no no, this is what I really meant. So I I know I can see I can spot it within myself, but I've done it before in the past, mm. and I've come out the other side. Right? It's it's a dirty way of 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 getting in engagement um anyway so well what i'm saying here is um do you what do you what's your well your i know that you have a, a take on her but you you're gonna you'll talk about but like do you do you think that she is someone who's uh, caught up in the in the moment of it all do you think there's something else going on
0: I I think when you look at her Twitter and you actually look at her on streams and you see that she is just firing off tweets on her phone, she rarely listens to her guest. um,
1: Yeah, she doesn't.
0: Attention because she's busy tweeting. And you look at the Twitter and, yeah, it does just look like a sort of rather thick and mad girl. And I think she is very much caught up in the hype. I'm
2: an AI bot controlling her Twitter.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. So the. the, The key point that you were making there is that when you are going to go on this debate and you have to fight against Pearly Things' position, it is actually going to be quite difficult because she is resting on the shoulders of not giants, because Rolo Tomasi is like four foot and a fag bar or something. Um, but the arguments were based on a consensus, which was you come into the Red Pill Manosphere scene, and the debates have already been had. Right, we we know what the arguments are. You can't win the debate, and that was the whole thing with the alt right. Is like you can't come to us with your civic nationalist position because I can school you with my ethno nationalist position. And the red pill kind of works on this basis. And I think the problem with it has always been well, it's an atheist framework. I think it took a while to understand it, but it's like. There's nothing sacred in the feminine or the female. There's nothing that's truly like of value inherently in that framework. I don't think uh, women are just objects or possessions and they're also out to get you en masse. As a societal force. So you have to learn to navigate that. I mean, that's what Andrew Tate's entire message is, basically, is another well,
2: like- thing is that there's no room really in, in their worldview for um repentance. Mm. So if a woman has truly been a bitch and she has truly fallen for misandric viewpoints and narratives, and she has done some people wrong, if she truly does, you know, have a come to Jesus moment and says, Oh my gosh! I really need to do 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 the right thing. Um, they 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 believe she belongs on the trash heap, right? That is the prevailing view. You can't trust her, and you just need to go out there and find yourself the closest to a virgin or a virgin as possible or something. Um,
0: well, if I can just pause on that one, there was one tweet, Miri, you spotted it and went, "There we go, that's it." Um which was a a poll from Pearl, wasn't it? Which was about the age of consent. It was like, I don't remember what it was, but she has been tweeting, let the men date the 18 year olds or what do you think about 16 year olds? And this kind of stuff. Um, And she's promoting like genuine predators that have moved to countries with lower ages of consent and this kind of stuff. I think there is a big concerted push because we all know about the pedo push from other angles. There's You've got this LGBTQ thing and then I do remember this. I, the, the video I'm about to put out kind of starts with this, which is I was concerned about grooming gangs because you're not allowed to talk about this unless you're on the far right right so I have to go to the far right because no one else is allowed to talk about this and then when I get there everyone's talking about how women are barren at 30 and they reach their peak fertility like before it's really you know know, fully legal and that and okay well I'm seeing the same narrative coming from both sides here I'm seeing minor attracted persons hidden in the plus over here and I'm seeing well when are women really fertile over here on the right wing i think it's on purpose i think it's being fed
3: yeah and if if you look at the handmaid's tale um when they married girls off if you remember that um that uh chauffeur guy is is given his wife and she's she's about 14 and he's he's just completely horrified and when you see all the girls their veils are pulled back they're all very very young and it's pushed for the same reason that um pearly things FLDS, the taliban all push this they all say which pearly things has said um explicitly that women start to get ugly in their early 20s and that they're most beautiful and fertile in about their mid-teens so you know have them then and that that attitude as you say is now being pushed by almost everyone at every every end of the spectrum
0: Mm. Yeah, and my uh, objection to it is if this should need selling, it needs stating, but I've watched a lot of this sort of red pill content recently, and there is this absolute obsession with women being virgins, and it doesn't matter if you're a guy. And I think if you're not advocating for teenagers to kind of lose their virginity together or with someone with a pretty similar level of experience, then you are... Uh, you're encouraging predatory behavior, to be honest. You should, like, I had a friend when I was 17 that I had a big crush on, so this was a bit of a motivation for doing this, but she had a 30-year-old boyfriend, and I think I was the first person to say, that's not okay, he's, like, problematic. What's he doing scoping around school kids? Because it was cool, I guess. Mm. Uh, And I think you need to be incredibly hot on this. So I'm, I'm very against age gaps when it goes down to a teenager mm. for obvious reasons
1: yeah can
2: i i am just going to insert a little bit of um christian stuff here just quickly um the uh, christian culture in america has contributed to this quite significantly in a negative way because there are um, there's a lot of kind of fundamentalist cults and Uh, reactionary stuff within conservatism in america um who have gone down that route as well where they're trying to marry off girls really young um now um, i'm not against i'm not against young people getting married but this is the age gap issue and also when young people in the past got married their at the elders were involved quite a lot their parents were talking to each other and it was family affair right not necessarily in the official arranged marriage thing i'm talking about i'm just saying it was like a local family affair where they knew that young people needed help making a decision and it was reciprocal it was cooperative right um and um but there's also obviously the culture of it being arranged and forced um but i'm just talking about how it, it has been in the past um, so I, I have a problem with it going there, because I, I, one of the things I think that liberalism got wrong was this idea that as soon as your kids turn, turn 18, hands off, don't give them any guidance. So I think that has been a big mistake. There's somewhere in the middle, and balance. And I think in Orthodox Christianity they promote balance and have a holistic way of looking at things quite significantly, um, compared to other types of Christianity. Um, so like, I don't know, you must have Clearly you guys know about um, people like Nick Fuentes and all the trad calf stuff. Oh, they try yeah. to hard line like women need to be married off young and blah, blah, blah. But they don't talk about the kind of institution and community that you need to have around it. If you're gonna get married young, you don't just go out there and get married. And I actually think that um, Lauren Southern possibly may have been a bit of a victim of this. And I know people are gonna hate me calling her a victim in any kind of way, but she does try to take responsibility for her herself, I think. But like, she clearly had pressure, if you watch her video about her divorce, to marry young, because she was trying to live up to an ideal. And so, and then she ended up making the wrong decision. so, and when you hear the the talking point points about this, because tweet uh Pearl Pearl's tweet was like, should should they get married at sixteen or wait until they're twenty one, and it's like, is that a question you should even be asking in that way? We like really, it should be what conditions do we create in society to make sure that young people can get married in the best way for them, right? Um, so anyway i just wanted to insert that there is a a bit of a um a, an american fundamentalist influence here that it's weird sometimes when you see what Pearly Thing says she sounds like she's from that ilk but she's not a christian
0: yeah yeah she she references god and and tries to own people by referencing god quite a lot um but it doesn't really make any sense cuz it's not backed up by anything but the um the marriage thing. OK, I, I think this week, again, there's been a massive psyop against the concept of marriage. And at this point, you know, I it, we end up agreeing with like the rad fems on so many things like pornography. And I'm starting to agree with the rad fems on marriage in a sense, which is that a marriage to me it exists. It's a real thing. But it has a much higher, you've got to be thinking in esoteric spiritual terms to really understand a marriage. I think like a divine union is a good way of seeing it where it's a man and a woman for the purpose of a family and they're really committed to each other. And so my understanding of no sex before marriage is that you should have a long run up to sex, particularly if you're young, particularly if you're a teenager and already be in that sort of swirling around each other where you you love each other. That's what a marriage is. So this week, this is all leading up to this, do you guys know who Adam 22 is? No. Oh, brilliant. Not
2: really. I've sort of seen his name about, but- So,
0: Adam 22 and his wife, by law. I do know. Yeah. What you're talking
1: about.
0: yeah. Yeah. So um, she did her. F- she's a porn star. And I think he's a porn star as well. And I think they have an OnlyFans. And she did her first scene with a male actor a week after they got married. And like, basically, they've made a million dollars by. You, you can get access to their OnlyFans to see this black guy cucking the wife, like having sex with the wife just after he's got married to someone else. And I just look at it and I'm like, well, don't even bother ranting about how this is like blasphemous or whatever, because it's not a marriage. It's a business partnership. The These are porn stars running a business together that, are shitting on the concept of marriage, but we're really far down that road, and I don't think we even understand it anyway. I don't think most people talk about marriage in the proper sense, and you should probably go back and have a look at what it actually means. Because when Pearl talks about marriage in these tweets, it's not marriage as I would understand it. It's just, like, the contract. That's all it is. It's just, you need to lock in, and there's not much deeper than that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're... um Absolutely right, and uh, I think the thing with um, Pearl, especially, and I know Natty's posted a lot about this, and it's very true, is um, how much uh, contempt Pearl has for women, complete, unabashed contempt, Um, and all she really seems to be offering them up as is, you know, um, titillating to men when they're very young but then they lose all their value at 21. This is what she said at 21, they start to look old um, and, you know, by the time they're, they're close to 30, well, that's it. Well, how is that worldview um, consistent in any way with, you know, traditional lifelong marriage is she's uh, almost overtly saying, you know, once your wife gets into her twenties, you should get rid of her and get a younger model. You know, there's nothing in there that's uh, traditional or sustainable, or it just seems to be very thinly um, disguised uh, pedophile ap- apology. If that, that's what she seems to be doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know that people that stick up for her, and I've already engaged in some some long discussion with some people like yesterday. Um, They're saying that she's doing the job of getting the message out there. She's just trying to, you know, show it to women and blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, clearly, I'm going to sound like a bitter old hater here because I'm like, we were doing that five years ago, Mm. a little Mm. bit, right? And I always tried to make sure that I was respectful about women, but at the same time, I understand the semantics game, right? And other people have been doing that. Um, but like, so she's not doing, she's not, what, who is she trying to reach now with this message is my, my point. I guess you could say young people, but young people have probably been on the internet since they were like eight or something so they're probably aware of some of this stuff already i i just don't understand who she's trying to talk to and then it it just seems like she's preaching to the converted and she's just make, doubling down on the contempt to women like you said mm-hmm. instead of bringing the message forward and there's someone the person who I was talking about uh, having this debate with like are they no, they're they're quite a, a good person who who promotes a, i would say a responsible worldview and yet they, they were sticking up for her, cheerleading her a little bit. And I'm like, I just don't understand. You know that she said that she thinks that being compared to Andrew Tate is a compliment. Mm. I mean, what if she wanted to be like saying, okay, I, I recognise that Andrew Tate is a reaction and, you know, we should understand and have empathy for this reaction, but dot, dot, dot about mm. him. But she's not saying that at all. No. It's just straight up like, yeah, Andrew Tate's a good guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. basically. And and how how any? I just don't understand how people are falling for it. It's 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 like they're addicted to the outrage, mm. and they all they keep um, saying. Well, basically, the attitude now is women should be grateful if these men want to marry them. They should just be grateful, be submissive, and shut up. And like, because they are responsible through feminism for what's happened in the last 50 to 100 years is their fault. So they need to be just, you know, if they're going to be tolerated at all, they just need to be submissive and shut up and say, yes, sir, no, sir. Like that lady that you brought up, um, Hale Pern. um hmm. What's her first name? uh, Layla, I think. Layla, like yeah. her.
0: Oh, yeah, with this massive Tate apologist woman, yeah. Mm
2: just I can't do anything but shake my head just like
0: well, about
2: so, her. even even Pearl's got a little bit more grip than her
0: like, really. yeah true actually I mean because she's got a certain amount of balls whereas Layla is the handmaid um but yeah you can look at Pearl as a person and you can try and like psychoanalyze okay well you're a bit damaged and this is some like empty need in you there's a void being filled by, you know, doing controversial takes. It's just like, we all watched Milo in about 2015, and that's how I feel about this. Like, you're you're never going to be better than Milo was. Oh,
2: no one's going to be... No, I agree with you. Sorry. Milo is
0: like... Well, we've seen it all before, and now we're seeing a very, very watered-down version of it. And I would like to circle back round to the change agents thing, because... um, I've got Mark Devlin's musical truth, which have you come across that either of you? It's Not
3: all of it. I've, I've heard it. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it directly.
0: I mean, you, you told me Mary that you've got a book that was about Laurel Canyon as well. What was that?
3: Um, okay. So this is a highly recommended. It's uh, called um, dark scenes inside the Laurel Canyon, something like that by a guy called David McGowan. And, uh, what he basically uh, explains is how much of modern culture is uh, confected, invented, not real psyops. Um, and he said, you know, um, you may think that there was an organic cultural revolution in the 1960s, um, you know, and all this great music and free love and, you know, the people uh, galvanized the revolution. He said, absolutely not. This was all stage managed at the highest levels by military and intelligence agent, military and intelligence agencies. And what they do is uh, they bring up their children to be change agents very often. And he said, if you find someone with a lot of cultural um, influence and significance who, who's kind of come from nowhere, if you look into their past, you'll usually find that they've got a high ranking military or intelligence father. And one example he gives is of Jim Morrison, the Doors. Jim Morrison was the son of Admiral Morrison, a very high ranking military, uh, Naval officer, I believe. And uh, he said, this comes up again and again. So uh, when Andrew Tate came, came on the scene, and the idea was, you know, he, he, he'd risen to prominence organically. He'd just gone viral and you know, kind of alternative media. Um, but you don't need to look very deeply into Andrew Tate. And actually, he's admitted this himself. His father was um, CIA. And so uh, what these uh, people do, it's alleged, is um, they are told by their superiors, we need you to bring up your child to be a change agent to be um uh, somebody who prompts significant cultural change you know we'll give them all the tools we will make sure they're very high profile i look at andrew tate and we're told oh, he's so anti-establishment and all this bit right andrew tate has got more twitter followers than the uk prime minister and somebody who's truly anti-establishment is never allowed to flourish that way in an establishment platform he's been on piers morgan he's in the press all the time now of course a lot of the coverage is negative but it has to be if someone's going to build their anti-establishment credentials. The point is that he is extraordinarily high profile. He's probably now one of the most famous men in the world. And you're just not allowed that kind of significance and influence unless you're on the payroll and in the club um, because, you know, they'll just crush you. If you're a true alternative figure, you know, they'll deplatform you, they'll demonetize you, they'll keep you playing small. Some, someone like Andrew Tate has been allowed to become an international household name just like Jim Morrison was because he's been tasked, I, I suspect, from birth with dramatically changing the culture.
0: Yeah, so I've been chatting about chatting with a mate about that top 20 list of legendary bands that like Q Magazine or Rock Sound or any of these would give you that are the definitive ones. The number one is always the Beatles. Number two would be the Rolling Stones. Number three is probably Led Zeppelin. And to go through reverse order, Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page kidnapped a fourteen-year-old with the help of his manager to be his sex slave. These are just like open pedophiles that were friendly with Aleister Crowley. And you're pretty much not allowed to criticise Led Zeppelin, or you're told separate the art from the artist. <laughs>
1: oh, I hate that argument so much. Well,
0: Sorry. it's time. It's time for it to yeah. end. Like, I'll do one on Marilyn Manson as well, and go. Look, this was pushed to children. Look at this guy. This is appalling. You should never have separated the art from the artist. And. Um, So the Stones is the chapter in Mark Devlin's book that I always actually feel so sick that I give up on the book at that point because this is so nasty and I've never listened to a Rolling Stones record and been like this is brilliant, this is really, but we're told it's amazing and then the Beatles right at the top is I think the first successful project of the Tavistock Centre. So this, uh, and the point I want to make is that if you go into a newsagent and you see a Q magazine or whatever the music ones are, the classic rock magazines, or you turn to that radio station, it is that list of bands. It's David Bowie with his crotch bulge in Labyrinth, which is a child's movie. Like, Oh, it's all-
2: I've got a child's book version of that, and mm-hmm. I have had to hide it because I was like...
0: the um, it- I
1: actually, yeah.
0: Well, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I think that's David Bowie is like a drop of poison in an otherwise quite magical thing. There, I really like Jim Henson and Brian Froud the designer. So, because it's because proper built stuff, it's physical. It's not um, AI. So it's quite important to like be pro that. But I just wanted to give some sense of the scale that they're still telling you that these are the most important musicians that ever lived jimmy hendrix who was essentially dosed up on acid by his management the whole time and wasn't like thinking he was essentially just a guitar playing machine that expired by a certain point and i wonder how many of them like kurt cobain that was weirdly scapegoated on courtney love but i don't think so amy winehouse it's a big long list uh, no. you know um and yeah, don't underestimate the influence of like oh, Jimmy Page and, um, and and the rest of them, because it's still there, it's still being pumped in. So if this is the start of the next generation to swing back the other way, don't underestimate the influence it could have.
2: Well, that makes me think about Kanye to be honest.
0: Oh, right, okay. Yeah, Collaborate.
2: Well, Kanye, so that would be another person to add to our list of influences who are trying to achieve the change as it were
0: how do you feel about him i've felt very flip floppy looking back on it um and he's always been he's always been a slave to vices which i think we were talking about this earlier that like i've always thought if someone's you know really into cocaine then they're pretty easy to buy and like you can you can give them money to tell them what to say so watch out for that and a lot of this is governed by sin and temptation
2: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean he he, to me he seems like someone who's got so much that it's probably hard to control him but they are trying you you know like as in so much going on in his brain where he'll he'll it's like I think I ultimately do think he's being controlled because there's no way that he isn't like what Mary's established already that you can't it's impossible really to get to the point that someone like him but um, it is clear that they're having a battle. He's having a this major battle within himself and with others. <laughs> sometimes he will come out with things and you're like, that sounds pretty genuine. And then another time it's like, oh, that's, he seems like he's, I don't know, you know, he's, it's, 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 I'd like to see someone do a really deep dive into everything about him and read it and stuff because it's hard to keep track on the internet of these things in the, in when it's happening in real in real time, which is another another thing why you know like I was talking about how I'm trying to debate people about some of these figures, and um, there does seem to be a crew of us around who has some level of um, ability to foresight things a bit, and most people are kind of just caught up in their day to day lives and they they don't have that tendency. I'm not I'm not trying to uh <clears throat> go all new age here, but I'm just I don't know if you know what I mean, but like I've always I've always uh had a sense that there's there's people that can do that and the most people can't. Um but I don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, this Handmaid's Tale being used as a metaphor is very interesting because I remember it coming out at the time and I did watch it and, and it was a pretty horrific concept. Um, and there were all these protests where they started wearing the handmaid's robes and, they, and it was as if there was a serious conversation about this being a potential future, which in New Age would be called a timeline, a potential timeline. that we, could yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and I never took that seriously at all. I thought that was completely ridiculous and hyperbolic. And now we're here with Miri's blog, where it looks, like, (laughs) very likely.
2: Well, what's interesting is that I've got the book, and I read the book years ago, right? And I've also seen... um, There was a Handmaid's Tale film. Have you seen that, Miri? No. Okay, that was made in, like, the 90s. Oh, right, okay. Watch that. It's, um, It's interesting. It's not hugely different, but it's just a film, whereas a TV show has gone into... You know, it's a TV show, for they're going be to what I find interesting about TV show is I watched like two one season, and I I was at the time I was like, I can't do with the cringe of the cringe. I can't do it because it was all just aimed at Trump and stuff, and yeah, it was obvious. It was annoying. <laughs> but as the TV show went on, it did get better. And there is this um, character who's described as the um, architect of Gilead. So he's kind of like the guy who comes up with all the economic theory and the social, you know, uh, mechanisms that they need to control and stuff. And him and his wife, they're clearly like former liberals or something. And and his wife has gone mad. She's she's like hides in the her room all the time because she can't stand living in Gilead. And he ends up helping the main character be a rebel and helping rebels, but at the same time, this whole experiment was part of his his um theory that he wanted to do and he comes out and says to her I had to um, I had to control I had to get these crazy fundamentalists to do the dirty work for me and I didn't realize how debased and how much they hate women Hmm. until years later being involved in it and watching what they've done I didn't realize just how terrible they they were in this way right uh, all I wanted to do was to reset things back again because of climate change, my climate change and um just he didn't like certain aspects of liberalism and he was just like, but I am not like them and he was trying to um he was basically a technocrat, I suppose yeah and he and he's he's talking to the main character saying to her who's a, who's like a rebel who's a um you know trying to destroy Gilead and get out and find her daughter and all this and 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 he's saying, like, me and you, we can be on the same side, because I'm not like those people. Mm. Um, and it, so it's it that I found that insight in the TV show very, very interesting. It took them about five seasons to get there, to, to reveal this to us, mm. right? That the fundamentalists would never have done this on their own, ever.
0: Right. Interesting, because... Um the tate stuff is supposed to be a reaction to the mad lgbt stuff right and i really do rate posy parker on this stuff because of her technique of bringing out the crazies her whole shtick essentially not a whole shtick but the thing that she's best at is luring mad woman-hating Antifa men out who are just men who put on a dress and say, punch women. And it really is that bad. And she proved that in New Zealand, they got the police on their side and they will nearly let a woman die for fear of being a, being seen to misgender someone. Um, and you need to sort it seriously now. And I've been down to a few of them in London and it is just a load of like, boys with who are really, really angry at women that look like their mum. And, you know, that is what it is. And it's ridiculous. And I don't think that it's in mass numbers that you should be concerned. Um, But the thing that you're given as an alternative is is definitely no alternative, because it seems to it's it's a radical feminist adage that they say that like uh, on the left wing, women are public property and on the right wing they're private property and I think this is a manifestation of it and it makes me I'm an anarchist firmly in the middle who's just like right freedom for all personal sovereignty don't tread on me don't tell me what to do I determine my own boundaries you don't tell anyone else how their thing should be run women should do this women should do that what's the what's the place of women because I don't think I've ever heard men discuss that and it sound okay I think it's just it's wrong I've had those discussions when I was in the alt-right of what what's the place of women and I don't know it just tends to a horrible handmade detail place it seems to be.
3: Me. I mean I, I I agree with you and I think that um you know when uh when one's going through the process of awakening for want of a better word you know you realize that everything that you've been taught is distorted a lot of it's a lie and you, you kind of ricochet off to all these uh, various environments so you might go to uh, the MRA movement for a while the Radfem movement for a while but I think it it leads back to um, anarchism uh, voluntaryism and you realize no no we can't keep imposing these rule systems on people we need to give them the facts and then they need to make a free choice about how they want to live
0: yeah. So like I was in the nationalist thing for a while and that's unbelievably toxic. Like there's a bunch of people in jail, loads of people stalking other people and getting into fights. And it's really nasty. But um, I th- I kind of determined that the problem with it is, well, the nation's pretty, pretty big. You can't say that you speak for the nation. Localism, though, you should be going to your local farmer's <laughs> market. You should be supporting your local indie shops or anyone that makes products themselves. Um, just in your local area and by the way it's really fun when you get into it most of your cupboards are filled with stuff that's from your county okay. I think, yeah, get on I'm it. glad
2: you brought that up because this is what everyone agrees on, everyone yeah. agrees with that, I, I don't know anyone who has any, um, any character or you know who cares about their local community or, or, or other people who doesn't agree with let's try and be pro-local, pro-community. Like, I don't know, it. both the left and the right, the good people within them, in my opinion, agree on that. Mm. So th- this is why I just like, when people stick up for some of these characters and stuff, I'm like, yeah, but there's stuff you can promote that can be anti this and anti that, that doesn't need to talk about any of that toxic stuff at all, right? Mm. Because I think that when le- left alone, most people um they will fall into just relying on each other being kind of more self-sufficient they work it out as they go along Now, clearly as a christian i believe they need a code of ethics and morality and belief in god for that so i i am definitely of the anarchist um background yeah and i mean and stuff i can say about that too but but I, I my view is that you can't really be an anarchist without being a Christian because Christianity is all about free will you have to choose to be a Christian so it is voluntary and this idea that you should have to force people to do it um you know that's never been a that's never been what true Christianity is in my in my opinion right um so you know there's no reason why I it just it doesn't make any sense to be concentrating on all this adversarial messaging. Um, Sometimes you have to speak truth to power, but you speak the truth and then you have a compassionate solution or message around the truth. You don't just put the truth out there and say, oh, I'm just speaking the truth and it's because you're this and all that, you can't stand listening to it. And we all know the game that people play when they do that. I I mean, I've done it myself in the past, right? And it just doesn't go anywhere. Um, So,
0: yeah, I mean, I'd swing it back around to Bridgen at that point, which is like, we should all get behind him. We must get behind him. And I actually know that that like they've been having these meetings. I, I do trust Jackie Devoy a lot. She made a documentary on Medazolam, And then there's a follow up one, which is just all about euthanasia, mm-hmm. um, speaking to people who've been through it and lost loved ones. And like this is probably the story that is not being told um and it's also the one that's coming down the line as we haven't really touched on it today but the doctor deciding who lives and dies is like that's so important and she's been working stuff out with Andrew Bridgen to have these meetings and put stuff forward in the chamber and like you know I've got every faith in her and I think there's people there that are definitely trying to do the right thing and push this thing forward but i think what bridgen has shown is that is this the route to getting this sorted because look at that he he stands up and everyone down to spiked like did you see fraser what's his fat face um from spiked did you see a natty
2: no i haven't i haven't read anything from them from year for years.
0: It it was quite something because um yeah, Fraser Myers, that's it. I get confused with Fraser Nelson's the other one. Um but he essentially came out and just called him a conspiracy theorist and pushed the government line on everything. And it was like spiked? They brought the guy from Spiked to do this. This is this is really all the way down. That's the thing, cause spiked to... <laughs> Miri, what do you what do you know about Spiked and that whole gang?
3: Well, I think that are classic limited hangout because they uh, position themselves as, you know, being anti-establishment and uh, holding power to account and all the rest of it. But they will only do that to a, um, a very clear set point and they'll never dig very deeply on things. Um, so uh, I think that's another, you know, release valve to, to channel people's objections um, again into a dead end. And I did read that piece. But what um, I, I thought when I read it is... Um, there's no such thing as bad publicity because so many people reacted against uh, his piece by saying, you know, how dare you? He's such a hero. Um, you know, and that kind of uh, uh, theater uh, almost ratifies Bridgen more because it's saying, look how many people are against him. You know, this is what he has to fight against. And it did bring a lot of these people out to, in defense of Bridgen. So I think ultimately that probably kind of ended up helping him.
0: Mm, yeah. Um. What do you guys think about Joe Rogan? Because I, my thoughts on him are that I was live streaming throughout the lockdown and I was urgently trying to figure out what was going on, what was the truth. I could tell that this was going to end in a vaccine and people shouldn't take it and I need to figure out how to basically put that idea in as many people's heads as i can um i don't know what's in it i don't know what it's going to do to you but i know that we're locked in our houses right now because the key to get us out of this is eventually going to be that needle and i think a lot of people could see this like quite a way off joe rogan I'm like so suspicious of because he has hosted some of the biggest names in the resistance against this uh, McCulloch and Malone and Malhotra and Majid. um, And yeah, it's quite a quite decent list at this point. Joe Rogan knew not to take the vaccine. And he was doing weekly podcasts throughout all of this, I presume. I haven't actually checked if he took a significant break from pumping out episodes. And it doesn't look up to, to me like he warned anyone until it was far too late. Um, so I'd nominate him as a as a character that has been put there because why would you you ought to have been censored? If you haven't been censored, it's there's yeah. there's a massive problem here. Yeah. Mm.
3: Oh, yeah, um, I, I totally agree. I think, again, um, it's, he's quite obvious controlled opposition because, like uh, you said, he's just too prominent. Too many people have heard of him. He's referenced in the mainstream media. He gets the very big names on. I think he's had Kennedy on recently. Yeah, um, that was the other one, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, he's one of those people up in the upper higher echelons that I was mentioning before that I think is very o- overtly controlled and does know what he's doing.
0: Yeah, I do, I do think that the whole thing... Um... like more and more and more my anarchist tendency comes out which just says like look the other way from all of this because it's all trying to say ah here's a new guy like I've actually bought Bobby Kennedy's book uh, the real Anthony Fauci and there's something in me that can't turn the pages on it I've done about two or three pages and I'm like oh, really do do I have to like nerd out on this and learn the entire history of why AIDS is a psyop and all of it um like, do I need to? Is this going to be the right route? Route. My intuition is kind of saying no because I'm I'm definitely bored of uh, the way that this is set up. Where they get praised as a hero. Some of them are very much late to it. In Bridgen's case, he voted for mandatory jabs for care workers when there was a massive rebellion of that, of like more than two hundred MPs. It's in, and that was just like a couple of months before he's then stood on stage talking about every based WEF talking point you can. That's not enough penance for me. That's not Mm -hmm. enough forgiveness.
3: No, 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 not at all. And, you know, I I don't find it plausible that he only suddenly realised the truth um very coincidentally when he's in terrible dire financial straits and is about to lose his npc anyway because you do lose it if you become bankrupt which he's about to I'm sure it's a huge coincidence because so many of us were writing to our mp's uh, you know making uh, su- such a huge racket about what was going on i just don't find it plausible that he didn't realize until what september 2022 it just doesn't, that, that doesn't seem uh, sincere or genuine in, in any way to me. And if, if it is sincere or genuine, then that just makes him look very, very stupid and devoid of critical thinking and discernment, in which case he's not qualified to be a, a leader or a hero anyway. So either way you look at it, you know, we shouldn't be giving him all this rapturous applause and, you know, fawning over him. He just, he just doesn't qualify for it.
0: Yeah, and I very much felt the same way about Malhotra because he was on TV recommending the jabs. And I've kind of got a red line, which is like, when people chuck out that argument of like, oh, what is nothing ever good enough? Can't you have forgiveness in your heart? You know, everyone wakes up at their own pace. It's like there's there's a specific category of people that are not the general public. Mm. And that would be the medical professionals who we outsourced. They were our experts who were supposed to look into it and determine the right thing to do. So medical experts and that especially includes any doctors that were on morning tv so malhotra did the same stuff as dr hillary mm-hmm. uh yet yeah, he's a hero mm-hmm. not cool in my book um and then also mps and, and sort of media figures like your piers morgan's and that that we used as a mouthpiece Hugh edwards you too um but yeah mps because They are the experts that we were supposed to trust. And you can now look at the memes of the effectiveness dropping down. Russell Brand going, oh, there's the first report of 100% effectiveness right down to you need a booster now every six months. I'm scared about people's apathy, though. And even I'm burnt out on it. I haven't been focusing on COVID and vaccines, even though it's objectively the worst thing that happened to us was that lockdown. And I don't like everything else as a distraction, like Russia, Ukraine, and all of that. I am not feeling juiced up about joining the fight. And I think it is based on Bridgen, Malhotra, Campbell, so many untrustworthy characters and no real direction for the rest of us in terms of what, well, I don't know how you fix this issue.
1: I'm yeah, just- yeah, go on, sorry. <laughs>
2: no I'm not saying anything I'm just agreeing like yeah
0: sorry it's very depressing it's very depressing we can celebrate the toppling of all the nonces again because that's what I'm all about at the moment I'm like so so, okay let's talk about that let's switch over to that which is what I believe is going on at the moment is awesome at the BBC and ITV and The Sun (laughs) and GB News which is you have probably a triangle of people with guns aimed at each other's heads and it's absolutely no coincidence that it went Schofield then Hugh Edwards then Wooten because I think as soon as Hugh Edwards happened a cat has come out of the bag about Dan Wooten and these are two things aimed directly at each other which is the BBC versus this kind of coalition of the Sun and GB News now when it comes to take the jab and all the rest of it they tell you to do one thing but I think there's a civil war going on within it where all these awful people that have done terrible things who are all basically the same ilk as Piers Morgan and phone hacking and all that and now really starting to go for each other and it's going to crumble away quite a lot.
2: Right so who's going to win? <laughs>
0: Well, no one wins because it's mutually assured destruction. Like, they're no, aiming...
2: In their group, you know, do you think it would be GB News in the Sun side, or...?
0: I don't think anyone wins when it comes out that everybody has been, like, you know, hiding sex tapes of minors from one another or whatever. Oh, yeah,
2: I don't, mean to, I don't mean to belittle the subject because I take it very seriously. But I just mean in the sense that if we're talking about a cultural shift, which we have been... Hmm. And then someone's going to come. A media entity is going to come out being, being the new, the new trusted status quo. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just can't. I don't think the BBC has enough people that would go along with with the change. Mm-hmm. But uh, unless they just have hemorrhage everyone, which they have done recently, sort of when they've got rid of a bunch of staff. So maybe maybe that tells me that Jimmy New's son side of things will be the new kind of trusted source. But then again, maybe not. I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking out loud.
0: I mean, my I've always thought that the what we want as us dissident types is basically public trust in all of these institutions, the government and the media being the main two. And big farmer, I suppose NHS, um, but you want public trust to be at the lowest level possible um, because then people will hopefully be restless enough to just think about other solutions and gravitate towards other solutions. I don't want to get, I don't want people getting tricked about the fact that Keir Starmer doesn't know what a woman is. That's not that's not helpful. Um, so a complete lack of trust is kind of the goal, and so I think it's a really good week at the moment with the main news reader like because it was it was a funny few days where he was named on twitter but he wasn't named publicly and he weren't allowed to name him publicly because then he might get sued and then on tuesday that was the main thing of like huh, who's going to get sued because they said what they shouldn't have and then wednesday it came out that it was him so i don't believe that it's like uh particularly controlled i think they have been playing a sort of like panicked cat and mouse game here uh, but but Hugh Edwards is probably deemed disposable by whoever's above him, and probably Dan Wooten as well. Where they're like, eh, go on then, end of your time, because we know they do these this with Epstein's and such.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well I think that that um, uh, having dirt on people to control them through blackmail is absolutely epidemic. Uh, high level media, high level politics are all controlled that way and um then if someone's shelf life expires or if they've uh you know crossed the wrong person then they'll just throw them under the bus i think that they're all ultimately expendable and they all know that deep down and it's just this um you know horrible uh dark toxic web of who's got the most most dirt on who and who can you know pull it out of the bag to control them or get rid of them and that's just just the way it's been for decades and decades probably centuries
0: Mm. and i think a risk with um the lockdown crowd is that gb news came along and we had a bunch of faux heroes, basically, which is anyone who was given a show on there um, and was saying the right kind of stuff was kind of good enough for us. So you've got Tom Harwood out there being such a wanker that people were quite amenable to Dan Wootten because they'd never actually looked into that kind of news coverage before. He's saying that Jakinda Ardern is a horrible tyrant and that's exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. What you don't realise is that he's gotten that position through decades of being a sun columnist and an absolute shark and you have to be a nasty 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 bastard to actually get to that position and yeah speaking from my own perspective i only discovered a lot of these names in 2020 because it actually mattered there was no reason for me to know who any of them are but um yeah to get that platform you you don't get there by being nice. And like I wonder what Neil Oliver's blemish is. I think all I could say about Neil Oliver is that the network routine has limited value. Have you guys watched Network, the film? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. See, I watched that for the first time not that long ago, even though I knew the monologue, because everyone knows the monologue. Um, and I just couldn't help but think of Neil Oliver and like, oh man, like. This guy has really been thought of as a hero for all this, but like, what does it give us? Does it yeah. actually give us anything? Has he been given this? There was a whole Black Mirror episode about this with, like, you know, the Simon. Well, remember,
2: thing. you're supposed to su- separate the art or the ideas from the artist or the intelli- You know, the the intellectual.
0: Yeah? <laughs> well, I I don't want to believe that yeah I, I don't want to come away from this like everyone thinks that we're just a bunch of bitches that call everyone a freemason and i don't believe that everybody in gb news is evil but i believe the institution of gb news is by its very nature corrupt and therefore it needs to go um and that's sort of my perspective and therefore there are these people like neil oliver who've been on the delling pod and mary has been on the delling pod and it's like we just want Kind of an open channel of connection because there are these people, an open channel of communication, I should say, because there are people that had platforms and high profile that I can talk to. There's no barrier there because we're in the fight together and I can ask their opinion on stuff. And then there's something else. There are these cliques. And I don't think there's anything wrong with running a group and having borders around it and having a bit of privacy because personal sovereignty. But yeah, the cliques are all, they've been rubbing shoulders with some dirty stuff. The together declaration always felt off to me because they didn't want to go near the actual vaccine. And they're just, they're left, right and centre.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I I am, I, I have a question for Miri. Um, so you, in your article that I did the video about, you were talking about how the um, the ruling class have always had like trans men uh, pretending to be women, um, you know, being wives, and that is a pretty out there, out there claim, right? Um, and and part of this, um, I I'm kind of still on the fence about it. There's a few people that I'm like, yeah, that person's definitely used to be a man. Um,
0: Big Mike, should we just say Big Mike straight away? Because I th- <laughs> that's that's the one where I'm
2: like,
0: yeah. I'm signed up to the Big Mike theory, but um, yeah.
2: I did go through a phase of watching transvestigation YouTube before it got banned, um, but I've never read a real, more intelligent analysis of this. Like, um, I, so if you have any any recommendations, uh, then please please can you say because, like, there's this guy. There was this guy called uh, Mr E. He used to have this channel called Transpocalypse. The most hilarious. Youtuber, one of the most hilarious ones because he used to write all these songs and then make up songs. I don't know if you've ever seen him. I've heard of him, yeah. Some of his videos are still around, but sometimes he would go into like esoteric stuff and talk about, you know, um, the chemical wedding and how we have this ruling class that have always tried to make humanity androgynous, um, and how all they're doing now is is trying to sell it to us as a a thing saying, look, um, we're not going to tell you that we've been doing this all these years, but now we want everyone else to be doing it because we think this is how how humans should be. Because um, they do seem to have this weird interpretation that um, before the fall humans were androgynous and then after the fall, that's when we split, which is, Whatever, uh, really weird. Um, but then the other side of it is that making humanity androgynous is just a way of subverting God's will and what God has created. So it's just it's just another way of going against God, which is kind of, you know, there's that 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 interpretation too. But um, I, some of this, for me, the way that some of these narratives are playing out is it is kind of like so. For example, with Hugh Edwards. Because um, you know how they start doubling down, saying, "Oh, he's got mental health problems, poor him." And because you know the, the, the young person he was talking to was a boy, right? Was it just a boy, or was there more than one? I think it was a, just a, uh,
1: I it
2: was just one. Yeah. And um, I, I think they could effectively be setting this up by saying, "Well, you know, if he was just allowed to be who he is, like Schofield, um, then we wouldn't have this problem." And actually let's take it a step further because you know, most of these people just they want to be like fluid or trans or whatever. You know, there there could be a bit of this that going on too. Um, I don't know what you think about that theory, but
0: well, my understanding of it at this point, this the the trans agenda uh is is the pedo push is like within it a slightly different element to it, but you know what that is? That's them trying to get the age of consent down and say like, "Well, it was perfectly legal what Hugh Edwards did—the two consenting adults." And it's like, really? And they're testing like, are we at that point where people will repeat that line? That's just two consenting adults. There's nothing wrong with mm. this, uh, but that is a bit different to what I think is the more interesting point, which you both hit on in like your blog and your video about the blog is that we are a dimorphic species of male and female. And we're kind of at our best when those polarities are further apart and males are in their male role and females are in their female role. I think that's, that's a good thing compared to this androgyny that we're getting, which Dylan Mulvaney is sort of like a token of it's like, Well, Dylan's a really great woman. Dylan's a fantastic woman. And there are loads of women, loads of handmaids. They call them handmaids in the, um, what they call it, the gender critical movement. Because a huge amount of them are women saying like, oh, don't be mean to Dylan, she's beautiful. And it's just a very skinny bloke prancing around in a sort of Barbie outfit, which is, that's, that's not feminine in this polarity that I'm talking about that, which has lots of great qualities that can't really be emulated by a man or shouldn't be, or it wouldn't work if they did. And that's why it is unpleasant when you look at a young Zuma male YouTuber or TikToker, who's like an expert at makeup. Have you seen this trend guys of Mm -hmm. young boys who are just fantastic at doing makeup? Um, I think, I believe, yeah, that's to take this, these two polarities, male and female, smash them into the middle, and you've got men up here and womb men down here. And Dylan's really the best at it, and Caitlyn Jenner was the most beautiful woman on earth. And and there was another one this week, wasn't there? The Netherlands mm-hmm. thing, yeah. Miss Netherlands was a was a bloke.
3: Yeah, going for Miss Universe next.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's my theory: is that it's like. Uh, they're not even better at being women in the sense that we should understand women. It's it's purely a woman costume.
3: Yeah, ex- exactly right. And I think what you've both said is is accurate. I think there are lots of reasons um, for the transgender push. Uh, the, the androgyny is one, them wanting to separate men and women from each other. And the destruction of the family is another Um they don't they want us all you know atomized living alone in pods and they want to destroy any alternative allegiances so we're completely controlled by them and you know the male female bond is so powerful they want to destroy that uh and the best way of destroying that is to um effectively get rid of women and then uh just give a you know a man in a costume to prance around on the world stage so i think all of these things are valid um i think there's a spiritual aspect to it um that uh you know at the, at the highest levels they are in conflict with you know um God the prime creator and they believe that they can do a better job so they say okay God might have created real women but we've got these hormones and these surgeries and we're going to create a woman who's even better than God's version of woman because look our women win Miss Universe even though they're biologically male so I think uh to understand the um the the uh, whole transgender push is really multifactorial everything you've both said is valid there are all these reasons and probably more as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I think we have covered basically everything that I wanted to, which is awesome. It's given hopefully given people a really good jumping off point for some some much deeper thought in these kind of subjects than um, surface level, like, ah, uh, oppose the CBDCs and stuff. Because I think this is where we're headed. Is there anything you can think that we've missed, Natty?
2: Uh, maybe sex dolls or something. Because one mm. of the things I think they're going to do, is um I don't know if you know that there's some prominent Megatel types who promote sex dolls. Uh at first I thought it was a joke, but no, they really there's this guy who's based in the UK who sponsors a bunch of them and he has a sex doll company. Um there are some definitely some some um radical Megatel types who um so one of the arguments I spent a long time sticking up for Megatel because i was just like a lot of them are just angry and reactionary and they'll they will come at peace at some point right but actually what i discovered was that there is a crew of them who from the beginning essentially were like transhumanist in nature they were either extremely pro transhumanist or they extremely permissible of it and they um they saw MGTOW as a way to uh, you know and manipulate and utilize uh, the gripes that these men had and say, well, you know what? We should have artificial wombs and women are the limiting factor in reproduction. And wouldn't it be nice if we just got rid of them because they're children anyway, and they've always been that way. And all that's happened is that we we were under a bit of a gynocentric fantasy for about them for a while. And now we see who they really are. And I, I'm, I'm I'm not kidding. That is something that a lot of these radical ones believe. There's a few that have been around for like 15 years on the internet and if you trace back to some of their ideas from the beginning well no wonder they weren't going to get a kind of decent wife because what woman who who is just you know just a normal woman is going to find a man who thinks that we should replace wombs with artificial wombs and let's all become cyborgs and connect our brains to skynet um attractive like i would say that most women who have a sense of what you know what is good for humanity would be really put off by that and some of them may not even know 100 percent why they just find this guy repellent and that is one thing i think this crew don't understand about a lot of women sometimes women um have a repellence against men and they can't always articulate exactly what it is but they're just like i don't have the evidence but there's something off about you And um, they also uh, are really into space travel and the concept of space colonisation. And that's one thing I keep bringing up, and I'm probably going to try and talk about it again at some point. So I was making this argument recently that we can't. So first of all, I don't think space colonisation is even possible, but just say it was. um, why would you really? Why is it such an obsession in the first place? And should we be? Should we? We even be like uh, wanting to do this? And second of all, I think we'll have to embrace a level of transhumanence to to do it. Because let's all say that, like Elon says and Jeff Bezos, that we will go and colonize Mars and live in a pod on Mars. Can you imagine trying to bring up a family in that situation? I mean why why would anyone want to do that it doesn't you know the only way it would work is if you connect your brain away from the, the fact that you're in this horrible environment it would need, need to create a fake metaverse virtual reality situation for it to work right like star trek i guess i don't know and i i feel like this uh, this side of it doesn't get discussed enough at least in the kind of world that i've come from which is the manosphere red pill or M- MRM side of it, because whenever I bring it up, I always say, "Well, the boomers got um, the boomers got convinced that this was a good idea as an ideal for society," and I feel like that leaves women behind. Mm. What what's what what do they need women for really if they're going to be doing that? You know, women are for what? <laughs> like, how are women going to be useful when we're living in a pod on Mars?
0: I start to view uh, the metaverse and artificial intelligence and social media and video games all as one kind of blob that works together. And I mean, very much including social media and even this conversation is going to be put on Odyssey and you have to watch it on a screen. It's not in
1: person.
0: and that's not to say we shouldn't do it it's the only way that you can get in touch with certain people and do certain things uh, but i believe that we are going to drift quite heavily away from it and i believe if the freedom movement found itself using twitter as much in 2030 as it is today using this stuff more rather than less even if you defeat the vaccine thing then you've 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 still lost Um, because I think that is the big split. The metaverse just wants you like, I'm very hot on people um, advocating for video games as like a legitimate pastime. I don't think it's an okay way for men to spend hours and hours a day. Um, I I think it's doing some serious damage and all of that kind of stuff. That's kind of how I, I view it. So a good example to sort of leave us on is I've been watching other YouTube channels that haven't been banned about other stuff, just other stuff that I'm interested in. And so many of them start off with an advert for a VPN saying you need to protect yourself because of like cyber hacking and all of you are very at risk. Anyone could get your data. And I just think, I think I'm living a life where like, what could you really steal with access to this laptop? Like you can steal the video I'm working on right now There's not a huge amount more on there. I've bought some gold and silver, so increasingly my savings is going to be a physical thing that you couldn't even hack into anyway. Um, This is what I see as a great split. It's between the physical and this stuff on a screen, and that's why Elon is a very good candidate for Antichrist.
3: Mm -hmm. I I agree, and um, I think uh, one thing that um, everyone should look up if you haven't heard of already is something called reality privilege. Because the elites are now saying in the future, only the rich will have reality privilege, live in the world, uh, have real relationships with real people. Everyone else will exist in their pods on the Metaverse.
0: Mm. And they've okay. been saying it pretty damn openly.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's advice There's it an interview with um uh, a member of the WEF or something. And he says says this very explicitly. He says, oh, it's a good thing, you know, because you'll keep your carbon footprint low and all the rest of it. But he says explicitly. So reality privilege, that's
0: reserved for the elites in future. So so they want us to believe. Okay, so final conclusion today. Don't get fooled again. You can't trust any of them. Fuck them all.
3: <laughs> if, if they're high profile, yes. <laughs>
0: nice. Well, I th- I think it'd be well worth getting the three of us back together at some point down the line when more drama happens. You both up for that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Thank you.